Welcome into the newest episode of the Hot Hangout podcast. We have uh, so much to talk about. I know I think I normally say that, but this is perhaps the most we've ever had to talk about uh, in any uh, episode of the Hot Hangout podcast. So much so, in fact, that this one is probably going to end up being split into two parts, the first part of which we're going to discuss and break down the latest Mandalorian episode, uh, episode seven of season three, and then the second part covering everything that went down at Star Wars Celebration over last weekend, of which there was a lot of stuff. It's going to be a blast to cover it all. I am super, super excited. I was actually yes. uh, telling Joey that <laughs> it's 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 rare that like an episode is so good, like the Mando one was this week, and and I'm still so excited to talk about the other thing, probably more even more so. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, we'll get to it. But before we hop into the Mando stuff, uh, Joey, what's going on? How has your week been? Pretty good. Just like you said, there's so much Star Wars stuff. So that that's really what consumed my last weekend. And then the days after that, it was me recovering from all the things that we learned from this last weekend. So it, it's been it's been a fun week. My Bulls won tonight also in the play-in I play -in saw game. that. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah, so now we I think we face Miami, I think. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, so I'll be excited about that. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm uh, excited to get back to our Hoth Hangout discussion. This is going to be a long one, folks, so I hope you got your popcorn <laughs> and your and your drinks because uh, we're going we're gonna to go for a long ride today. Yes, it's it's definitely going to be on the longer side, but um, we love that, honestly. In fact, those of you that have been listening for a while, you may remember that some of our very first original podcasts were very oftentimes, almost always, like an hour and a half long. Um, so maybe maybe it's going to be another one of the, the back to the good old days sort of podcasts. Uh, is this episode 30? This might, uh, maybe it's 29. Might be 29. We're, yeah. we're coming up on episode 30. Uh, which also I should mention another thank you once again for recently putting us over that 100 subscriber mark on the Hoth Hangout YouTube channel if you're watching the video version of the podcast uh, and you're not subscribed to the Hoth Hangout YouTube channel, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We would really appreciate it. And a special thank you to those of you listening on Apple and Spotify or wherever you may get your podcasts. Okay, where to start with episode seven? Um, I think maybe we'll just jump in with an overview or perhaps an overall thought even beforehand. I think it's safe to say, at least I felt this way. I'm curious how you felt about it. I think it's safe to say that this was probably the best episode of this season. This was, in fact, the first time this season that the, like during the show, I felt this almost inescapable sense of excitement while I was watching where I was just almost overjoyed with all the stuff they were hitting us with. I was like, oh, that's mm -hmm. awesome. Oh, you know, that's going to tie into Ahsoka yes. or, you know, some, you know, in some way it's like information we hadn't got before. And it just felt like the most complete episode of this season, uh, which leaves you wondering, like, why maybe it wasn't a little bit earlier in the season too, uh, especially on the back of episode six, which wasn't really... A poorly made episode but in terms of relevance to the show didn't do a whole lot i think for most people again not to say it was bad but um clearly not as uh impactful and definitely not as exciting as episode seven 
So overall, I would just say my feelings towards it as I was watching it was 11 out of 10. Uh, and we can grade the episode a little bit later on, but what, what were your thoughts or what were your biggest takeaways? Uh, very similar. I mean, this is Star Wars. This, <laughs> this episode was everything you wanted from all different angles. Like you said, the, the, we, are waiting for, we, we have been waiting for these tie-ins. Um, we got the, you know, I'll, I'll jump into it a little bit here, but we got the, the name Thrawn was, you know, explicitly said here. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some tie-ins to some of the sequel trilogy stuff. We saw Praetorian Guards. We saw um, uh, Brendel Hux, who I believe is the father of yes. um, the Hux character that's in the... I forget the what what oh, I forget what his actual first name was. But... It's like a very formal British sounding name. Yes, yes I'll, yes, I'll look it up. Yeah, so we we saw him as well. Um, yeah, so and and just seeing the Mandalorians it, and that that the animosity towards each other, you know, the the kind of the old school Mandalorians and the new non helmeted Mandalorians, and now we've got these Mandalorians that were still kind of on Mandalore chilling. Um, that we didn't know were there. <laughs> so we've got the, those guys. Th- those guys are in bad shape, by the way. I don't know how they've survived as long as they have. So uh, props to them. I think they might be the most uh, most Mandalorian Mandalorians out there because they have been there the entire time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna draw the line and say that about those uh, remaining people that were there. Yeah, it's a fair point. And actually, in a in an interesting way, it almost ties into the show episode a little bit. Uh, just because you you said like they're the most Mandalorian of the Mandalorians, I would presume obviously because they've been on the planet of Mandalore. But then I guess that begs the question: Well, what makes someone a Mandalorian? Mm-hmm. Because if you're talking about like like religious zealousness, then like the Children of the Watch would be like the most Mandalorian. You know what I mean? Right. But if you're talking about maybe uh, I don't I don't know what the uh, what the other faction of Mandalorians would subscribe to, perhaps other than, you know, the Darksaber stuff and whatnot. But anyways, it, it begs the question, like, of what does make someone a, a real Mandalorian? I mean, and, and not to go into too deep with, like, politics and religion, but it's a lot like religion, where you have this main religion, and then you've got people that kind of cherry-pick. I'm like, oh, I like that piece, so I like that piece, sure, so yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a Mandalorian because of this. And like, no, I'm a Mandalorian. Because... So it right. kind of just reminds me of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a good point. Um, and that also brings up another thought. First of all, one of the Mandalorians they found on the planet, um, I saw this somewhere, was that he is the actor. Have you ever seen Breaking Bad? Mm-hmm. He is the actor that plays, um, I think his name is Pete. He's the actor that plays Pete, oh, okay. I think. I don't back Bad. That. I don't remember, yeah. But uh, anyway, so he, and when I first saw him, do you know do you know who I thought it was? Who? I thought it was Christian Bale, and then they oh, oh. and then they zoom in on his face a little bit. I was like, oh, that's definitely not <laughs> that's Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, just a quick point: the fact that they brought in Jack Black and Lizzo last week, I wouldn't be surprised if they would throw a Christian Bale in the middle of the last, second to last episode of the if, Mandalorian. If we were to get Christian Bale in Star Wars. You know, maybe is like a, a villain role. Ooh, I, Ooh. I could, I could, I could go with that. Did you ever see the, a fourth Thor movie, Love and Thunder? Yes, 
Yes, he was very good. In it. Best, I didn't even recognize him. Best part of that movie is Christian Bale. <laughs> um, anyways, the other thing that we did finally see in this episode, uh, Moff Gideon, which it was interesting. The transition from kind of thinking he might still be around to like thinking, okay, he's escaped to seeing him. Uh, I thought they did it okay. It was it was almost weird though, because I almost expected his reveal to be in the last episode of the season. And then it just kind of happened at the beginning of this episode when, um, what's her name, Aaliyah, Elia? I still don't know how to pronounce her name. I uh, was talking to him on the comm, which by the way was like another really cool Coruscant scene. Anything on Coruscant is so mm. cool. The way it, it, it takes a kind of those vibes from uh, Blade Runner almost a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah. But so that also sort of ties in the uh, the scene from the end of episode five, I want to say. Was it five or four where um, the the craft that was carrying Gideon, uh, the pilot that discovered it was like, these are Mandalorian marks, right. you know, it looked like, which now that we know these new era, these this new phase of uh, troopers is using like Beskar armor and so it's presumed, at least my understanding at the end of the episode, right. is that they're the ones that, that broke Gideon Which out. Which makes more sense. Yes, yes. Than any of the Mandalorian factions to be breaking him out. Right, I right. mean, we, we did we did toy with the idea that maybe the um, the Axe-Wolves, Cusca-Reeves faction may have been bought out in order to, you know, help Gideon uh, escape. But I think yeah, I think it's safe to say that this new, this new group of were they are they death troopers? Um, he calls them no. What does he call? Does he call them death troopers? He calls them a very specific name, mm-hmm. and uh, shock or no, dark not, troopers. Dark trooper. Dark, dark troopers. Dark troopers. Going through all the, the list of trooper names. Yeah, death, my... <laughs> death trooper. Yeah, death troopers were from Rogue One. Yeah, dark okay. troopers. Yes, dark troopers. Yes. Um. So yeah, that was a cool, you know, installment to the episode because now that kind of gives something else to contend with moving forward, uh, and it's gonna be, it's it's gonna make the troopers a little more of a force to contend with, I think, moving forward mm-hmm. in the show as well. Now they're not just like the guys who can't hit anything, but now they're the guys who can also like take bullets, you know, right. or blaster shots, I guess, if we want to be technical. That 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 fight with the Mandalorians against the dark troopers was awesome but also a little bit comical yeah i was, was like, like how many guys blaster are... <laughs> shots does it take to down someone if everyone's wearing beskar exactly this is this is going to be the longest fight scene in star wars that's kind of what i was waiting for yeah but yeah i mean but then Bo-Katan, um <laughs> found a way to to get some of the vulnerable areas you know, which, getting under the armor and things like that. Which was kind of some of the more, not brutal parts. Oh, no, it was, but, yeah. But comparatively, for Disney Star Wars, you know, they're, like, taking these knives or blasters and, like, you know, going for the vital parts. You're like, oh, 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 gosh, okay, okay. Right. Um, Something, I guess, before we get to the fight scene, which far and away, if not the best fight scene of the show definitely the best fight scene of the season in my opinion in this episode um something that happens a little bit earlier on in the episode 
uh, with Gideon as soon as he gets off the calm with Elia. Uh, as he walks through, first, before he meets with this group of people known as the Shadow Council, um, cool which name. is, yes, very cool name, largely <laughs> based off of the, um, I think, the Heir to the Jedi books, written by mm. Timothy Zahn. Um, in fact, well, and before I get to that, what did you think of the scene with him walking to the Shadow Council, where he's going through sort of what looks like these clone chambers, Oh, yeah. And I have another thought, but go ahead and, and what I do mean, you think? Because I want to tie it in, too. I, I didn't know. I mean, we we know that they are trying to get the cloning technology for Palpatine, for the Emperor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snoke in there? I don't know. But, <laughs> you know, is uh, is uh, is Kino Loy in there? Maybe. <laughs> um, but, no. I, I, yeah, I thought it was very cool. I, we're we're getting... We're getting all of this now. You know, we're getting all the stuff that you and I have talked about for thirty episodes of this podcast, where we want all of this to tie into other pieces of Star Wars. And it, I mean, and you kind of alluded to it earlier. It sounds like they're bringing some things from Legends, what's considered Legends, a lot of from stuff. The EU, yeah. And I, I think that's that's great. I think they're listening to their audience. Where I, I'm, I'm sure there were a lot of people who were very, very upset when they de- essentially decanonized that entire series or that you know that entire section of Star Wars, but now to find ways to bring it back in here and there, and I, and I believe some some stuff from Celebration also was um, kind of mentioned in that same that same uh, that same vein. So yeah, I, I thought it was very cool just how he walked through there, and 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 part of me was like what. How are we here? Isn't isn't everything from the Empire gone? It looked like it was like an imperial ship, and so mm-hmm. I, it was very it was uh, very cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing with the Shadow Council is it felt very much like the tie-in for you know uh, ushering in the era of Thrawn and Disney Star Wars, if you will, because we're definitely going to be seeing him in Ahsoka, and. I would hope, it's it's my hope at least, that next week's episode is going to somewhat be a tie-in to the Ahsoka show, and that I would be I would be thrilled if Thrawn is in the entire episode next week. I think it's more than likely that he's in the last five seconds, you know, where it's you know the back of his head or you know something right. to that effect. Um, also worth noting, one of the people on the Shadow Council is in Heir uh, to the Empire, uh, this Thrawn trilogy written by Timothy Zahn. Uh, this, what was his name? Captain Pelion, I think is his name. Mm-hmm. Peloton. Uh, Peloton, yeah. Is, <laughs> is, is that, isn't that what it's... Uh, do you ever watch the Tour de France? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what the main group of people in a, in a cycling oh, race is called? Oh, is that what it's called? called? Oh. Yeah. Anyways, side note. Um, he is actually the right-hand man to Thrawn in the novels, which oh. is which is also something they borrowed from the books. Because if you watch in the scene, it almost feels like everyone is kind of directing some of the Thrawn interrogating questions towards him specifically. Like, when when is he going to be more involved? When is he going to be a part of the Shadow Council meetings? Uh, and that's when Gideon is kind of like, well, maybe we need you know, a new leader and all the other people are like, yeah, yeah, maybe, you know, kind of, uh, you know, suggesting that he should be that leader perhaps. Right. We also, I also thought it was interesting 
kind of shifting gears here, I guess. Um, well, actually, no, no, hold on. Wait, I, I thought of another thing. I want to go back to the cloning. Okay. So I think my biggest worry, I um, first of all, and if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, you know this. We've talked about this a lot. I love exploring the cloning stuff with Bad Batch, now with Mando as well. Anytime it's discussed in Star Wars, I think it's really cool how they can dive into it and we learn a lot more about it. What I don't want cloning to be and what my biggest worry is that the direction it's going is that they're almost using cloning to over-explain the sequels in a way where people will not look bad, not look back on them in as badly of a light as perhaps they have to this point in time. Um, it just feels, and you know, now they're putting Praetorian guards in there. Not that that's related to cloning, but I think they are making concerted efforts to try to incorporate sequel lore, um, but not overtly as to maybe slightly shift the tone and the attitude towards the sequels. And maybe that was just kind of the way I saw things. Maybe mm -hmm. that's not actually what they're trying to do. But the cloning stuff, at least with this episode of Mando, I was kind of like, I hope they don't like go that direction mm -hmm. of like, oh, like explaining like over Snoke. Like, yeah, I don't want the purpose of season four of Mandalorian or one of the primary purposes of season four of Mandalorian to be explaining Snoke. You know what I mean? Like, it's cool if it's an Easter egg in there. It's like, oh, that, you know, that could be how he came about. But if we spend, you know, time of a show where really it's not too concerned with cloning, all the, I, I don't know. I'm kind of going on a tangent at this point, but that was something I was thinking about as well. And the, in, I believe in the Aftermath books, which I think those take place, do they take place after... Or before Force Awakens, or after, or after Return of Jedi, I can't remember, but there was already talk of cloning in there, mm -hmm. um, in the aftermath books. Also, some cloning mentioned in the Battlefront Two video game. So, I mean, this was this was just really the first time we saw it on on the screen, where right. it's a little bit. I mean, and obviously in um, Attack of the Clones or the the, the clone uh, the Clone War series, and you know. So I think I think we were headed here. I think we were headed here. Um, you know, the overall, you know, the ending and, you know, we could talk all day about the, the sequel, but, you know, the sequel trilogy. But, you know, maybe the ending isn't exactly what we want. I, I think to your point, I think maybe they're trying to explain a little bit of it. I mean, I think that's that's where we're headed right now. And I, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with that. It just gives us a little bit more context into what's what has happened and what's going on going into the era that is considered, you know, the sequel trilogy. So I, I'm all right with it. I think I'm okay with them. I, I, I'm not at a point where I'm thinking they're going to overcorrect and over explain at this point. I could see the concern, but I think we're, I think right now it's not, it's not too bad. But the the one thing that we've always wanted was the interweavings of all these stories, all this lore and, I gotta admit, the Praetorian Guards kind of threw me a little bit because I'm like, what? How, they were here already, you know? Like that. That seems soon. That seems soon after, um, where we are right now after the fall of the Empire. So, um, to have that here, 
So, I mean, just a couple, I mean, because we're a few years after that, right? Isn't that where we are right now? A few years after Return Jedi or something like this, right? Yeah, between six and, or uh, yeah, between six and seven. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's, uh, I, I, I was shocked by that. I think I was shocked by that the most. So maybe they were kind of grasping there. Maybe that was a little bit of a reach for me anyway. But the cloning stuff, I, I think that's that's all where we need to be right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to be a key component, I think, of just Star Wars in general moving forward. One of the other more lighthearted parts of this episode that I thought was pretty fun was the transformation of IG-11 uh, into IG-12 so that Grogu yes. could more or less use him as this vehicle <laughs> to, and also to communicate, too. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, as much as this episode did really well in terms of like battle sequences and sort of these epic intense moments, I thought it balanced it with this, you know, comedic style with Grogu really well. It, it kind of does circle circling back to what we talked about maybe two weeks ago. Now Grogu has ult effectively just sort of become this comedic relief, which is fine, I guess. I, you know, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, but it begs the question, like, what is his role going to be moving into season four? But with IG-12, I thought it was actually really <laughs> funny. And, and now, you know, we've always sort of known that Grogu can understand people and, and can understand mm -hmm. Din Djarin, but just, you know, lacks the ability to communicate, at least vocally, back with him. Now this sort of gives him a way to do that, which I thought was pretty funny. Although I will say at one point when he was spamming the yes button, I was like, okay, that's like 20 times in a row. You got to chill. You know, even I watching the episode was like, I'm kind of annoyed with Grogu right now. Right. Uh, but yeah. that was that was fun. I'm glad they, they added that in there. I thought it provided some lightheartedness to the episode. Uh, being a father of a nine-year-old? <laughs> yeah that's that's about that's about right like they, the, <laughs> if you if the kid finds something that they like they are going to continue using it and for grogu it was the yes button there so <laughs> uh, yeah i thought it was yeah it was super cute it was it was funny like you said it had that balance just overall with the uh, the rest of the episode uh, and and it, i mean you know in all honesty do we need it i don't know if we needed it but it was it was nice it was a nice thing to have Another interaction with Grogu and and, and Zelen, <laughs> the uh, bad baby, no no huggies or whatever it was, you know. So, um, I I yeah, so I enjoy that part again, the lighthearted scene. But, um, I mean, functionally though, it helps because Grogu can get around a little bit quicker. You don't need to mm -hmm. have him in the transport, um, and worry about that. I mean, you, you know, even even uh, Din Djarin's like, yeah, okay, keep up with us, and which I gotta say pretty dangerous mission that <laughs> that um grogu yeah. that he said grogu come on um when he was too young to to he he thought he was too young to use the ig12 but you know he'll throw him in the middle of this really dangerous mission <laughs> at the same point at the in, in in days later you know yeah and also circling all the way back to episode 1 when we were kind of like that ig11 scene seemed like really unnecessary now i guess it does make more sense because I think looking back on that scene is what made, you know, IG-11 transforming into IG-12 in this part of uh, this week's episode make more sense. Mm -hmm. So it's stuff like that that oftentimes we as fans and viewers don't really see the point. Sometimes there is a plan like, you know, six, seven weeks in the future where, you know, it, it makes 
sense why they're showing you something here because they're going to like readdress it here right. in the future. So I, I guess I appreciated that because it made me actually, you know, not have as much of a, a dis a distaste for that scene in the first episode. I thought it made it make more sense. Um, by the way, the title of this episode, that was something I wanted to talk about. Title of uh, chapter 23 of The Mandalorian, episode 7 of season 3, is The Spies. Now, when we look at the episode, it's not directly apparent who the spies are. In fact, with you could really say there's only one overt spy in this episode, yeah. that being mm -hmm. uh, Elia or Elia. I, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep saying both until I actually <laughs> learn how to say her name. Uh, so it's specifically the plural world, the plural word spies is the title of this episode, which makes you think there might be someone else working for this remnant of the empire. I don't even know, or shadow council maybe is the name collectively that we should be referring to them as, uh, if, if you had a hunch of who that might be, or do, or do you think there's too much stock in the title of this episode being Spies, it's Din Djarin. Din Djarin is absolutely the uh, the spy <laughs> the whole time. Biggest plot twist in Can you TV history. <laughs> and I would have gone gotten away with it. The protagonist <laughs> of the show is actually the antagonist after all this. Can time. you imagine? That'd be so good. Um, there's there's nobody that comes to mind other than no. There's no there's no one that comes to mind. I mean, I was gonna say maybe. There's no way the a Moff Gideon is like you know playing on both sides. I don't feel like any of the any of the Mandalorians are necessarily someone to look at. I mean, the only one that seems shifty has always seemed shifty is X Wolves, just kind of the way he's he's but a little slimy. I think because that's so on the nose, there's no right. way they would ever make him the spy. I had a thought. I was thinking, what if it was the pirate Mandalorians, the one they picked up? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like Mandalore is this base. Now it's a base that this remnant of the Empire has been mm -hmm. operating out of, right? Mm -hmm. And these Mandalorians have just been, like, around, avoiding them the whole time. Right, yeah. You know, they've been, like, cruising on the planet's surface. I don't know. Yeah. I, I I don't put a whole whole lot of stock in that theory. Yeah. But... It, if, we need to talk about it though. I mean, the, the when the pirates showed up, and they're like, "Oh, we know where the forge is. <laughs> we can tell you you're right there." Right. That's what I'm saying. I mean, that 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 makes. I mean, that makes sense because if they were there, they would know where it would be. But you can't tell me in all this time since the purge that they hadn't gone down there. <laughs> that they don't know. You know that that's part of their planet. That's part of where they were. Mm -hmm. So. I think they, you know, to, to if we want to talk conspiracy theories, yeah, maybe they brought the Mandalorians to to them. I you know at some point. I think they, it's a they fair knew. bet. Yeah, they they knew, and and Moff Gideon says as much too. Like, oh, we got all the Mandalorians here, or you know, all all in one spot, or thank you for bringing them all here, or something like that. Um, and I can't remember if. It was kind of a darker scene when, when like darker lit scene when they were all fighting. If any of those pirate Mandalorians were I, with them, I think two of them were. I think, yeah. Um, well, I, I think that how many of there's only three total, wasn't there? 
Or was I there... thought so. Yeah, because it seems like one one, one... was sick or ill or yeah, injured yeah, or something. Yeah, bring back. And then to... the other two guys were there with them. When they were when the armor was bringing them back to the fleet, th- just the way that whole scene was shot, I'm like, this isn't gonna go well somewhere. <laughs> you know, like I, I, at that point, I already knew. I'm like, this is something's going to go sideways here, and I don't know if if we're gonna see a Tie Fighter come out of nowhere and just take him down. I was that that's where I was. I was worried for the armorer if uh, if she was gonna make it out of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, the armorer is another character who intrigues me a lot because it feels like the arc of her character has really shifted the past few episodes. Uh, Not that she's not important anymore, but it almost feels like she has relinquished ultimate authority to Bo at this point. And Bo is now operating more or less as the head of all the Mandalorians. I mean, you, there was even a scene in this episode where Din Djarin is like, I serve you, Lady Kreez. Uh And, you know, then he has this thing about honor being the main reason, not birthright or blood or anything like that. Uh, so uh, moving forward, I think I'm just more intrigued by the show than I was at the end of episode six, for sure. I think I was just confused where we were headed. As oftentimes I feel like I have been in the past two years of watching Star Wars TV shows. <laughs> right, yeah. This uh, is their formula. Yeah. Like, prior to this episode, it was like, I don't really understand what season four is going to be about. And now I feel like I have a pretty decent idea. Now that it's, you know, Gideon has revealed himself, there's this base on Mandalore. Clearly this conflict is not going to all be resolved at the end of next week's episode. So season four is probably going to be the fight for Mandalore, uh, at least with Gideon versus Bo and the rest of the Mandalorians. Is it going to go into... There was mention in this episode at one point of even more Mandalorians being out there. You know, these remnants of Death Watch, I think is what what Mm -hmm. it was specifically referenced as. Um, Are we going to have episodes where, you know, all these remnants of Death Watch, the sons and daughters of the former Death Watch members are kind of brought into the fold and recruited to the Mandalorian army. Um, and then overall, you know, not just Gideon and Bo, but how Thrawn and Ahsoka play into all of this. And I don't think much of that will come in definitely this, not this season. Um, I'm just interested to see if that is a main focal point of season four. But all that to say, I have a much more clear idea of the direction they're headed. Whereas I was super confused before this week's episode where we were going. Uh, to, to all that, I just have to say, who directed this episode? Uh, Rick. Rick did. Rick had... Oh, Rick did? Well, he was the director. You mean wrote the episode? Oh, wrote the episode, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this was one of the two episodes this season that Dave uh, yeah. wrote. The other it, one it, was the uh, Foundling episode, I think. Oh, okay. But yeah, this this has Dave's fingerprints all yes, over it. all over it, yes. <laughs> and thanks, Dave. <laughs> appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. We appreciate you on Star Wars. Uh, you and your hat. Um, yeah. We were both. Yeah, we were both worried that 
this was going to just be a flop of a season at some point. I mean, maybe maybe not you, but I kind of worried a little bit. And you know, if you if you look online, there there are people who are who have kind of turned their nose to the this season of Mandalorian, unfortunately, because because you know it, it hasn't gone exactly the way that they would want. Um, you know, a lot of it goes around. You know, this isn't a story about Din Djarin anymore, really. You know, this is really about kind of the overall, overall, all of the Mandalorians now. I mean, and mm-hmm. and in the lead now is a Bo-Katan. So, I mean, if you compared season one to, to this, I mean, these are just two completely different shows, practically. And but th- that's what I kind of like about it is because, you know, it's evolving, it's changing, and as 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 people who watch it, you have to. There's part of you that has to kind of let go of the reins and say, "All right, just take me for this ride. Let me. I'll I'll trust you where we where we're going." Um, but in all in all things, you know, one thing I didn't like about Lost is <laughs> <laughs> is you did that, and then you got you weren't very satisfied with the end. But um, but yeah, I, I think that so that there that there is a risk there that you know maybe we don't get the ending that we want. But with this episode being you know the second to last episode of the season, I think we're at a good point. Uh, of where we we want to be going into the finale, going into the 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 next season. Um, I kind of wish it we didn't have to wait six episodes to get here. That if if I had if I could turn around and do all this again, um, I would want a little bit more of this a little earlier on, mm-hmm. you know. So because this is this is the stuff we really want to know. Some of the stuff we know we needed, we needed to see kind of didn't hand over hand over you know the saber to 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 Bo-Katan. we had to kind of see the dr pershing and that kind of storyline uh his ted talks <laughs> and you know so th- there's definitely a lot of things that we needed to see but i don't know if we needed six episodes to do that i think we could have done some of that in three yeah and then we we could have been here my my biggest rub about this show is that it's only eight episodes. So we, we you know, and I think that's the expect, expectations with everybody, because it's one of the shorter series uh, for Star Wars. You want each episode to pack a punch. Mm-hmm. Um, we can't necessarily say that with every episode here. Um, and you know, I've said it in the past, if we had like ten episodes, maybe we would let go of some of the uh, filler episodes and be like it's fine, no problem. But when you only have eight, and you have one that's only like thirty minutes, also in the middle of it, you kind of worry about like, oh, where are we going? And you're constantly got this anxiety, and you want like things to move along. And but now I think we're at a spot now. They're like, okay, fine, we're here, and we're we're excited. I think that's regrettably gonna be the formula for the rest of. It was announced Ahsoka is only eight episodes too. Mm-hmm. When I heard that, I was like, oh, come on, man. I just, I, I get it. I, I do, but at the same time. And that's not to say that any of the episodes this season were filler, I guess. Mm-hmm. But there was just stuff. I think in every episode you could argue that building the trust between the factions of the Mandalorians, especially in like episodes like five and six, is really important, even if a lot of the stuff that happens in those episodes isn't pertinent i think you do gradually just with the passage of time that building of trust between the factions is something yeah and even within the faction of 
uh, prior to the two factions coming together, uh, Din Djarin sort of reclaiming his identity with the uh, with the Children of the Watch. So, uh, all that to say, I I think this show is in a good place. At least I hope it's in a good place. <laughs> oh, it is. I think it is. Yeah, and moving into next week's episode, something we should also point out is uh, RIPs for Paz Vizsla. Wow. Um, what a, what an epic way to go out. Uh, not not the most necessary death I've ever seen. Right. Like, I guess he could have walked on the other side of the wall and then hit the button. Yeah, yeah. But honorable nonetheless, the Mandalorian way. This yeah. is the way he, of this course, says uh, as he walks to his doom. And in fact... I thought the way they did it was pretty cool. The introduction of the Praetorian Guards after he takes out all the other uh, Dark Troopers was was pretty neat. I am going to miss him as a character, though. But I, I think that makes sense if you're a viewer. Because let me, let me ask you. Um, if you were to choose between Vizsla and Wolves, what's his first name? Ace? Axe. 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 Axe Wolves. If you were to choose between Paz Vizsla and Axe Wolves, like which one to not have in the show... I think most people would probably choose Axe Wolves. Maybe not everybody. Maybe I'm maybe I'm generalizing too much. He's a little slimy. He's a little slimy. That's all yeah, he's he's the less likable character. Maybe that's right. the so you know he flies off. We're gonna see him at some point next episode, right? Uh, and we lose the more likable of the two, Paz Vizsla, at the end of this one. So shout out to Paz sacrificing himself for the rest of the Mandalorians. What a guy. After we had a whole episode this season about rescuing his son, that was the other surprising part oh, about that true, too. Yeah. But yeah, when when the 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 two factions of the Mandalorians met up, and they were kind of toe to toe to each other, you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought of "Beat It," the Michael Jackson video. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for them to both get the the dagger out and do the dance around each other. Um, that would have been quite a turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine they just break out in song and dance at that point? Um, okay, so did we miss anything on the episode that we want to talk about before we move into our rankings and ratings of this episode? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I think the it left a lot of things that we are waiting for. We're waiting for Thrawn. We know we're waiting for Thrawn. We're, we're waiting to see how... I mean, Din Djarin was captured, right? Is that mm-hmm. where we're at? Yeah, at the yeah. end of this episode, Din is captured. Uh, the rest of the Mandalorians with Bo in charge have fled. She still has the Darksaber. Gideon wants the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, the scene when he was like, return that to its rightful owner, you know, meaning himself, I was like, I don't think either of you are the rightful <laughs> owner, technically. <laughs> Watch Hoth Hangout on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I think... Yeah, having Din Djarin, because you always have to have that right—that little cliffhanger at the end of the episode, going into the finale. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we, what are we going after here? So we're going after Din. You know, that's 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 pretty much the 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 way. This is the way that we're we're trying to get to. And I'm, yeah, with with Bo-Katan on the other side, trying to get to him. Yeah, I'm excited how they're going to do it. They're not going to. I don't think you pull, you know, Luke Skywalker back into this one. And, you know, I think this is a Mandalorian only um, battle here. So I'm, I'm excited to see how this happens. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think we see Luke next episode. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
I think we do see Thrawn, although I think it's going to be yeah. in a minimal role, perhaps towards the very end of the episode. I don't even know if we see Luke in Mando Season 4. I would kind of hope so, but all things have indicated that Mando is going to be not just mm -hmm. a four-season show, but like even five, six, or, even, or perhaps even mm -hmm. seven seasons. So if they start bringing Luke into it, I feel like it loses some of its value. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, back to the, the, the episode itself. I This was my favorite episode of the season. Do I want to say my favorite episode of the show? I don't know if I can go that far just because the Luke, the Luke episode is so good at the end of season two. Um, but I will still grade this one an A-. And I think a bit of my excitement for the episode was probably like Star Wars hangover from Star Wars celebration. Just to like how excited I've been about all of that stuff going on. Uh, mm -hmm. But I truly did love this episode. There was action, the best of which of the entire season, I would say. Uh, there was meaningful storylines. There was new stuff. There was stuff for new fans. There was stuff for longtime fans from the books, the Timothy Zahn books, all sort of things they've incorporated from that in this episode. Um, and, and just, you know, bringing stuff back into the fold that they hadn't talked about almost all season. Like, sure, we talked about Gideon, but, like, where is he? We got to see him. Right. Uh, you know, we know Thrawn is lurking somewhere in the background, but now it seems like you know the next step is for us to yes. see him. We got to meet the Shadow Council. You know, uh, the Praetorian Guards came in. The Dark Troopers. We saw the base on Mandalore. It was just like so many things pertinent to the story happened in this episode, which is why I think it was so good. It makes me kind of want to say A, but I'll I'll stick with my guns and and say A minus. It's funny because as you were listing it, all the things, my grade kept going a little bit, ticking up and up and up. <laughs> so as you as as you stayed firm at your A minus, I'm gonna go A, okay. solid A, okay, because of all of that stuff. I yeah. mean, there's no need to repeat all of it. It, it was just a, it was a good, sh it was a good, easily the best episode of the season. Um, like you said, I, I can't, I can't put it ahead of the Luke episode, but I, I definitely can say it's one of the best episodes of best up one of the best episodes of the series so um because it, it gives us that cliffhanger that you know din is and uh, i hate seeing din away from grogu i hate it i hate it i hate it so even even in grogu with the ig12 now you know as cute as that is you, you don't want him you don't want them to be separated so I, yeah so i'm excited i'm excited to see what the finale is going to bring and uh yeah we'll see it also begs the question is Season three of Mandalorian, the first step on the path towards getting us comfortable with their separation. <clears throat> that way, when Din might not be a part of the main story in season, I don't want to say the main story, but might not be the central focus in seasons four, five, and beyond, that it feels more natural of a transition because we've had this third season where it feels like Din is slowly mm -hmm. not the central point of focus all the time anymore. Something to think about. It really doesn't even feel like Grogu is even less so oh, than no, Din. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more of the, the Bo-Katan season, I think, as you said already. But anyways, great episode. I think the eighth and final episode is going to be I hope even better. I'm going to be so pumped for that one. 
Uh, yep. You and I will be live reacting to it, and it will be available as a live reaction episode on the Hoth Hangout YouTube channel. We're pumped for that one. This, I think I'm more excited for this reaction than anything you or I have done together so far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just be oh, yeah, solely because of how good this episode was. Right. I, I just... I want to see Thrawn so badly right. in live action. And I think with, with all the stuff that you and I have reacted to, mm -hmm. what Andor, Bad Batch, and this, right? And we knew we knew going into Mandalorian, Mandalorian's going to have this pedestal that we're kind of expecting it on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, be real, though. Bad Batch season finale really hit us hard, though. <laughs> Yes. As as much as we expected um, Mandalorian to have that same type of impact, Bad Batch came out of nowhere and absolutely floored us. So um, go back and watch that if you haven't yet. But <laughs> I think uh, I think yeah, we we are so excited for the Mandalorian uh, series season not series season finale. And uh, yeah, when we react to that, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun time. I got my popcorn already. <laughs> we should we should uh, pop some big buckets of popcorn buckets of popcorn for next week uh, I, I certainly am incredibly excited for it um, and, and something else that I am super ultra excited about, excited about as we perhaps switch gears here in a second um, this episode we already anticipated was going to be pretty long so it's going to be a two part episode and we're going to sort of switch gears over to some of the awesome Star Wars celebration announcements we had uh, so we appreciate you listening to part one of the Hoth Hang this episode of the Hoth Hangout podcast. 